Hello and welcome to the October DCM podcast. You may have noticed that there wasn't a September DCM podcast. Apologies. The DCM Awards, which took place on the 18th of September, took over my life, as they seem to every year now, and I failed to get a podcast in time. I think the same thing happened last year, so maybe I should stop promising a September DCM podcast or plan it further ahead, which would clearly be the best thing to do, but I can't promise anything. Anyway, the most important thing is that the podcast is back this month and I'm joined by Luke Randall who works on the AV team at UM. Hi Luke. Hello Tom. How are you? I'm alright, I'm okay. It's Monday, it's pretty grey but could be worse. And you're not just talking about the inside of our screening room either, which is very grey. I mean, they can't, they don't know it's grey. We could paint it up to be an amazing theatre but well, it, it is grey, sorry. Yeah. It is. It couldn't be greyer. No, I mean, no, you really can't, can it? But yeah, thanks for joining. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me. We usually start the podcast by asking our guests if they've seen anything at the cinema recently. Have you? I have, yeah. So I, along with a lot of people, saw Joker recently. I we, have too. It's it's interesting. I was not sure about it. I'm a big DC fan, but I wasn't too sure about it before I went in, and I was a bit worried that it might be a bit oh, how to describe a bit toxic. Yeah, honest, I, I was a bit worried that it was going to have the um, send a message that you know, if you grab a gun, become violent, and people will take notice of you. Um, but I was quite surprised there. I was quite. I thought I thought it was much deeper than I, I. I kind of gave it. Gave it no. Well, let's be honest. There was an awful lot of chat about this film before the film came out. I, I was all. If if you are someone who keeps up to date with the movie press and even just the culture sections of the broadsheets you probably could have been bored of this film before it even yeah. came out but I like you was a little bit concerned and I came out I enjoyed it as well and I came I came out thinking that the kerfuffle uh, I've never used the word I like kerfuffle, kerfuffle. No, no, no lead with kerfuffle I yeah kerfuffle was a perfect way of describing it about the film was overblown yeah it's it, do you know what obviously don't want to get into spoiler territory but, I think they've had long enough to okay, see it. Okay, let's spoil it. Um, but the way it l kind of... Everything that happens in a film that I think could be problematic, the way Todd Phillips kind of mm, kind of led your hand to believe that the option of it not actually happening and it being a kind of uh, illusion in his head, um, I kind of felt blunt in those arguments, that kerfuffle. Um, so it reminded me a bit of like American Psycho and... Uh, fight Club, where you're kind of, you maybe on second watching that you'd be like, oh, actually, I don't think that's real. And I saw a reaction of um, the end scene with Robert De Niro in America, where people were cheering that, and I was like, oh. And I, I think that was just a like a, a very uh, small percentage of people. But overall, I, I thought it was much deeper, and what it spoke about mental health, I thought was interesting and not exploitative. Um, and also, I think Whack and Phoenix was incredible. It wouldn't be a fraction of the film that it is without his performance. What do you think? I mean, is the Joker just a, such a, a character that people can just put so many layers on? I mean, obviously Heath Ledger before that, and I'm, you know, Jack Nicholson. But I think his adaptation of it was just something we haven't seen before. And I think also just as a comic book film, it reminded me of Logan, um, where it was, it was something we haven't seen. Obviously, there's been quite a few comic book films in the last year a couple of years but I just thought it was I don't know really nuanced and I was quite surprised and uh, quite shocked by it in, in, a, in a good way and I think you're right it's you could argue that 
the two most iconic performances of the 21st century are both the Joker. I mean, two of the most yeah. iconic performances of the 21st century, Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix. And I'm not sure why this character, it, it, it proves so interesting to actors to play mm. and to us, us to watch. And I think one of the reasons is because we all grow up watching either... Adam West Batman. I used to watch that on Channel Four, where Caesar yeah. Romero was Batman yeah. with the Joker. Sorry, to shave off his tash. Didn't yeah, he yeah. did. And um, then Jack Nicholson, obviously, as um, the Joker. And I think Heath Ledger's was really shocking because it just treated it in a way, in a much more serious way than we'd ever seen yeah. before. And it, you realise actually what this character could be. And now Joaquin Phoenix has taken that on even further. And yeah, it's also one of those things. That I think with the Joker, you you watch it and. It's different from Heath Ledger. It's really different from Heath Ledger. There was a part of Heath Ledger that you kind of, you kind of got swept up in his performance. Um, there was like three years of supporting uh, best supporting actor uh, awards at the Oscars, where it was Heath Ledger, and it was um, oh, what's his name from Old Country? Uh, no Country for Old Men. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem and Christoph Waltz and those, that's the bad guys. Yeah, bad guys that you kind of secretly are not rooting for, but you're really enjoying watching. And I think to compare it to Heath Ledger's performance then um, and Joaquin Phoenix's in this, it's you don't necessarily you kind of root for him to a certain degree, but I just I don't know. I was really pleasantly surprised by it and. I came out of it and I was like, that was that was not uh, a comic book film trying to be serious. That was a serious film that just so happened to have comic book DNA in it. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised by yeah, that. Yeah, me too. And where does it leave the DC universe, which is interesting, isn't it? Considering we've got, we've got another DC Comics film out in February, which has very strong allusions to the Joker, but it's clearly not this Joker. That's Birds of Prey. And, oh, the fant- was it? Fan- the eman- emancipation fantabulous of- emancipation of one Harley Quinn. I mean, just even the titles of it, it's completely different. I mean, I'm I'm a bit worried for the DC Universe. I'm a DC person. Um, I'll get that out of the way now. Um, I am too. But I'm, I'm worried about it because I think because they've set their own bar that high on a completely different story, universe, strand, whatever you want to call it, um, and all of a sudden you're going to have, and I, I think Birds of Prey will be better than Suicide Squad because the director, I think, I, d- I didn't particularly like David Ayer's direction on that. I thought it was a bit confused and there seemed to be a lot of rewrites, but obviously you've got Wonder Woman next year as well. And then they're going to inevitably, obviously you've got Robert Pattinson's Batman. Which is 2021. Nice. Um, and then, and I, then I, this Joker... It, because of the success of it, they're going to bring this Joker into that Batman but, world, surely. But even in the timelines, like, obviously, that was kind of, They never alluded to what time it was set, the, the Joker. Um, obviously, it looks like it's 70s, 70s. Early it's got 80s, that Scorsese yeah. taxi driver vibe about it. But if they brought it into modern day, they're just going to ignore the fact there's obviously that time, that time difference. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I feel like whoever's going to do the Joker next to Jared Leto, apparently, is not going to do a Joker again. Um, I'm a bit, I don't know. It's going to confuse the matter by recasting for the third time in, you know, a matter of years. So Less than 10 years. Yeah, I, just, I don't know what they'll do about and that. And also you've got um, Paul Dano playing the Riddler in the next yeah. Batman film, which I think is great casting in itself. I do, and yeah, could be yeah. could be a performance on, on you know, or a, a version of that character, not on a level that we saw with Heath Ledger or Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Or Jim but, Carrey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he could really take that character into the sort of, anarchic world, you know, real life world that we haven't seen before. Yeah, and I think obviously Robert Pattinson, um, 
I really want to see a lighthouse when it comes out. Um, I've seen that. Is it good? Yeah, it's very, very good. I really like. And he's the, brilliant. I like the witch, and I was like, um, what's his name? I forget. The, the Robert Ed- Eggers. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. I was like, oh, that's his next film. But yeah, Robert Pattinson in casting him, it's a clear stamp on the direction they want to go in, and I feel like they've gone down Suicide Squad, Justice League, uh, that kind of trying to emulate what a Marvel have been doing. And now I feel like they've gone, all right, actually, should we try to stick to what we're good at, which is the Nolan films? Um, so I think that they're trying to steer it back there. But once again, there's a huge, I think like audiences won't care, but there is going to be a point where people are like, wait, is this Batman the same as uh, Ben Affleck's Batman? Is this the Joker the same as, you know, uh, Jared Leto's? And I, I feel like people won't really mind want to you know, sit in the cinema, but there was a part of me that feels that Warner Brothers might have to address this in some way. Or yeah, but I'm, I'm excited to see how they do it as well, because yeah. if Joaquin Phoenix is up for it, then good directors will be up for it. Yeah. And uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman is already shaping up to be interesting as well with the casting of Paul Dano and, and the casting Matt of Reeves. Zoe, I mean, Matt Reeves, who did great. Dawn I, of the Planet of the Apes, yeah. and Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, which yeah. I think is great casting. Uh, the, I think DC have kind of cracked it by stopped stopping trying to be the MCU mm, just yeah. making good stories with good directors and what's worth highlighting is Joker on the DC Estate has done delivered 4.6 million admissions Huge, yeah. you know that's more than Avengers Age of Ultron and yeah. it's still gonna do another million admissions on top of that you know in on our estate will probably end up doing more than The Dark Knight Rises you know it just shows that what what the scope for these films uh, the and, and the the public have for sort of DC comic stories if they're treated well. Yeah, I think that's the film with the Joker. I feel, I just even from the first trailer, as I said, apart from my my the, the kind of gut feeling I had, if it was going to be bad, I felt there was a reason why it was going to be bad. As I said, the kind of the way it dealt with mental health, but just from the trailer, the way it looked, obviously, I think Scorsese did produce it, and you can clearly see that there is that kind of aesthetic running through it. It's beautifully shot. It really relies... Well, it doesn't rely on you, but if you've seen The King of Comedy, yes. you can see a lot of where this film comes from. There was um, there's a film, Christine. Is it Christine? Yeah, the, um, with Rebecca Hall. Oh, yes, yeah, and it was very similar to that. That's and, a very good film as well. Yeah, and it's and that, that was the thing. I was I was more pleasantly surprised that the films it was referencing, uh, or, sorry, like almost homaging, um, I was really pleasantly surprised at what they were, rather than it just, you know plonking oh that's uh, a reference to the Riddler and stuff like that they kind of thought no let's make a good film and it just happens to be a DC film rather than making a DC film and hoping it would be good I, yeah I was really pleasantly surprised by that it's in cinemas still and it's well worth seeing and it is, yeah. it's being talked up as a major awards contender I'm not sure it's going to win the major awards but it's definitely going to be up for best actor yeah there'll be a nomination uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Todd Phillips is up for best director as well the director of The Hangover and more Pertinently, Starsky and Hutch. I know, but I quite like Starsky and Hutch. Okay, well, I love The Hangover. Really? Yeah. What? Number All one. Three. Number one. No, I was going to say. But this is the thing. There's Hangover a... Part Two is absolutely terrible. Well, is there the been a bigger as... swing from one to two in a film series? The Hangover Part Two is just—it's the same as like on the buses, the movie. They just moved it from Vegas and then went, "Let's go abroad." But I mean, uh-huh. there's this weird trend in Hollywood where you got like Adam McKay doing the same thing, where people who are known for their kind of schlocky uh, com- um, yeah, I suppose comedy films are now going into being actually quite decent serious directors and I I, 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 just I don't know other directors that would be able to do that I'm just trying to think off the top of my head but 
can you see Martin Scorsese doing a hangover style comedy? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. A slapstick, uh, Joe Pesci, yeah. Robert De Niro. Um, <laughs> old old school. Yes. Really yeah. old school. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah I would too. Well, I was going to talk about it and I saw it last week, Terminator Dark Fate. Mm. But we won't go into too much detail on it. It's not as good as Joker, but I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I was happy to have the franchise back. I mean, I really want to... I, I'm quite a big fan of the Terminator series. I remember when I was younger, I probably saw T2 far too young, and it scared the bejesus out of me, if I'm honest. Um, Robert Patrick, just absolute terrifying. Um, but yeah, I was a little bit worried about this new one, but I saw that you said it was fun. So it was fun. Yeah, good. I wouldn't go much more than that. And the action sequences, some of them are really well staged. There's one on an aeroplane, which if you've seen the trailer, you will um, have seen a clip of that. I thought it was a really excellent visceral action scene. The story is a bit familiar, as it tends to be with Terminator now, but Arnie ha- has some really funny lines. Sarah Connor's, uh, Lynn Hamilton and Sarah Connor's very good. And the big surprise for me was Mackenzie Davis made yeah. an absolutely kick-ass action heroine. She's, I mean, she's been very careful with her roles, and I think she's chosen very wisely. I mean, she was she's in Blade Runner 2049, which was one of my favourite films the last couple of years. Yep. Um, she was in that amazing episode of Black Mirror, um, and all of a sudden now she's, uh, you know, throwing metal rods through Terminators in a tank top. Well, I, mean, I think, yeah, uh, she's wearing the tank top, not the Terminator. Yes, of course. I think, I th- and I think it, people will look at her very differently after this because she really nails the action um, elements of it, and obviously she's great at the drama side of it. This is kind of the last chance for the Terminator franchise. I mean, we had Terminator Genesis, which was... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. you've got to wonder where it goes from here the Terminator franchise you, uh, the, the ne- obviously this one is kind of like a resetting of it which is good very much like the Force Awakens did yes, with Star I Wars heard, yeah, yeah. Um, but the next one has to be a bit more of an interesting story I think well I was I was thought like obviously I remember seeing Terminator 3 um, Rise of the Machines yes, yes this, is term- this is Terminator 3 but it's really Terminator 6 isn't it this is the thing there's, there's so much the same with Halloween series where you're like okay we completely disregard that lot and go back here but I remember seeing Terminator 3 in the cinema and I thought the bit where Arnie puts on the um, the sunglasses oh uh, god yeah talk to the hand I, I thought it couldn't get any lower yeah. and then Genesis came out and I didn't see that at the cinema luckily and I was yeah I was like I thought that killed it but then this seems it's Tim Miller directing isn't yeah. it so he's he's got good um, well, he did Deadpool and did, you yeah. must have thought that after Deadpool he must have had so many offers to do yeah. big budget films and he chose this one and which I, I think is slightly surprising, but he does a good job of it. I also thought when I saw that it was a 15, I was kind of like, oh, good. Because I don't want... There's certain franchises that I like being a bit more hard edge. Um, and Terminator, as I said, it had... Terminator, some, Alien, Robocop. Yeah. Predator. I mean, Robocop a couple of years ago shows exactly why, yeah. yeah. Um, Predator, I saw that recently, the new one. I love Shane Black. Yeah. I did not love that. Yep. That's exactly the same. I have spoken about it on the previous podcast. I love Shane Black. Didn't like The Predator. I, I and that's what my fear was about with Terminator Dark Fate. Yes. Um, but it's actually better than The Predator. Okay. Quite a good bit deal better than The Predator. But actually, first time I saw Terminator Genesis was at Cine Europe in Barcelona. Nice. Three years ago. And we also went to Cine Europe we in Barcelona did, yeah. this year, which I've spoken about extensively on an earlier podcast. Check out the July DCM podcast. Cine Europe is where the big studios preview a lot of their upcoming films for European exhibitors. And at the time, we're told repeatedly, you're not allowed to talk about what you've seen. You cannot tweet about it. You cannot put it on social media. But it's been long enough now, so I'm pretty certain we can say what we like. Of course. What were your highlights? I mean, by the way, 
expert segue there. Thanks. Really, Thanks. really nicely done. <laughs> um, my highlights of that it seems so far away ago uh, now. I would say, I've said that I think I was in the show reel actually talking about Tom Hanks. I thought that was just, I mean, Tom Hanks walks out. You, you, you're in for a good, uh, good five minutes. I, uh, I'm trying to think. I thought Top Gun, Maverick. I was once again. I was surprised at that. I was like, Top Gun. And I've seen it. I know what to expect. And all of a sudden, you have this, like, really, <laughs> sounds silly, but real action pieces that where it's inside these cockpits. And I'm like, wow. And obviously, if you've seen the trailer, it's kind of. We, that's what we saw, very similar, but we saw it on the IMAX huge screen. With Dolby surround sound oh. and extended footage as well. It was intense. It's, it, as I say, it reminded me of like kind of the Macquarie Mission Impossible films where there's a real emphasis on making Tom Hank, uh, Tom Hank, sorry, Tom Cruise, you know, put him through uh, as many G-forces as you can. <laughs> and you really felt that. I, I was actually like, oh, that wasn't on my radar, no pun intended, but it really is now. Yeah, um, me, me too. I'm, I have no real affection for Top Gun. No, uh, no, and I, I, but then when you see aerial footage like that, you realise that no one's really done that since Top Gun. No, there was a spate of films in the eighties and early nineties like Top Gun and Iron Eagle, um, and no one's done it since. What well, I don't know why that is. I, you would have thought Michael Bay would have been allowed to, considering how much he loves the U.S. military. Yes, but it's maybe they just haven't had. Uh, it takes a star like Tom Cruise, yeah, with the clout to um, to actually get them to strap an IMAX camera inside or outside an F-15 fighter jet. Yeah, and once again, I saw it and I was like, oh, I might revisit the old Top Gun. And um, I did ask after if everyone wanted a game of volleyball outside just to get the Top Gun, but no one took me up on that offer. They were all around the piano. They were too busy around the piano. True. And yeah, so I thought thought Top Gun was really good. Um, Obviously, we we saw Toy Story 4, which has been out for a while now. But um, that was was touching. That was lovely. Um, There was a couple things that I mean, we saw a bit of Gemini, Gemini Man, which is now obviously yeah. being now being and gone, um, and obviously that was in the higher frame rate. And I, from what I've read, a lot of people have struggled with the higher frame rate of uh, Gemini Man, which I saw the orig- I saw the the Hobbit years ago in higher frame rate, and it, it really takes you out of it almost. Yeah. It's, it's an odd odd experience. Um, but yeah, I thought I just I, I do you know what it was. Um, it was kind of like Sydney Europe was like, it's, it's like a mecca for film fans. It was great. It was like you peeking behind the curtain. I saw a lot of things. That I was like, am I allowed to see this? Am I? It was. It was brilliant. It was really good. It was kind of like, yeah. I just. I mean, the high frame rate thing you mentioned with Gemini Man. It's going to be interesting because I've always thought that the one time it's going to work, or the first time it's going to work, was going to be James Cameron with Avatar Two, mm-hmm. just because he will he will know how to use it. Uh, uh, and he said that he's not going to use the, he's not going to film the Avatar films in the high frame rate. Or he's, really? he says he's going to use variable frame rate. So for some of the action sequences, he may speed up the frame rate so that there's less motion blur. But the general film f- films are still going to be shot and projected in 24 frames per second. Which well, the the best use of frame rate I've seen recently, um, and the most subtle use of it was for um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, um, where they. They, the young, the younger, more experienced, inexperienced Peter Parker was at a slower frame rate than the 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 battle hardened slick one who was at a faster frame rate. So his actions, the animation on him, seemed much smoother. Yeah, and it looked jerky, was, didn't it? Yeah, it was really well done. It's just genius use of that. Where obviously when you know when f- higher frame rate is used badly, it looks artificial, and almost our brain goes, nope, that's not real. It, 
there's the something fact, about it. The fact that animation is artificial anyway, I think it probably suits the high frame yes, rate as well. Yeah. I'm excited to see who uses it next, but I think Ang Lee's experiment of making whole films at 120 frames per second might, that Gemini Man might be the last we see of that. Yeah, and Ang Lee, he's, he's, he's not afraid to to phrase hat into the ring when it tries it, when it comes to experimental film but I think yeah I think frame rate is something that we're not quite there yet yeah so moving on to your role at UM tell us a little bit about what you do um, so yeah AV manager so across the uh, the board like so it's TV radio um, a bit of odd but obviously my heart lies in cinema um, hence why we're having this conversation um, so Really, when it comes to cinema at UM, we're all about making sure we're tapping into uh, best moments for people when they're just about to sit down for a film. So, you know, don't get me wrong, being in real is great. Love that. But what I've tried to do with um, some of my brands is make sure that we're, we're kind of giving more of an experience. So Spotify, we had, we took over the Pitch House, turn off your phone, I don't, which... I thought, I was like, okay, how can we, you know, we can buy gold spot, we can buy silver, but is there anything we can do that no one's done before? And so we basically took over and branded the uh, Turn Off Your Phone at Pitch House, um, which I've seen since, and I kind of prefer it with the Spotify thing, so I don't know if you just want to have it as a permanent residence, <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy for that. Um, but that was really well received. So simple messaging as well, but yeah. really clear and memorable. Yeah, and it was, it was really well received by the client. Um, Did they take some persuading to do it? Do you know what? Um, n no, I think because the idea was quite simple, as you say. It's kind of it was quite easy to say this is what we're, how we're, why we thought this because the whole the whole campaign was about um, all the ways you can use Spotify and, and the millions of situations where Spotify is appropriate. So we kind of you know I had, I had a conversation with the planners and said why don't we go against grain and say when it's the only time it's inappropriate, which is obviously in the fit, uh, in the cinema. So. I think that's what helped to kind of sell it. Um, and we got the research back and it was really well received. So hopefully uh, next year, DCM Awards. Might see you there, we'll see. But Have you was, been to the awards before, Luke? No, no, no. I was, I was, I was going, to, well, we was going to enter it for this year's awards, but we thought, do you know what, let's wait for the research. Hold it back. Yeah, let's, you know, let's make sure it's a home run. I think that's a sensible, sensible move. And what other brands do you work with? Uh, so Quantro, um, uh, Esso, Fitbit, a bit of Jane Joe, um, and Mattel, which is a recent win. So Also, we mentioned um, Spotify. They have really interesting marketing campaigns. I know it's out yeah. over their outdoor, and it must be really fun to plan something like that. Yeah, they're, they're quite open with suggestions as well. We've had a couple of um, people go, oh, I've seen that outdoor campaign. How about this? Um, it's if you haven't seen it, it's the one where it's uh, 1993 Smashing Pumpkins, two, 2019 Smashing Avocados, an example. So we've had a couple of people at work that have suggested uh, alternatives to that, should we say? But they're even their cinema copy. They're they're quite fun and um, yeah, I quite enjoy them. And we had it last year where they had a very horror-led um, copy, so obviously it makes sense putting all the horror films around Halloween. So they do, um, yeah, it does help when there's a, a brand with a strong copy that people can uh, can look out for. And what work are you most proud of? I would say a Spotify campaign. That was that was one of the few, um, as I say, you know, obviously in real, great, you know, uh, but that was one of the few where I was like, oh, okay, this is something different. This is something 
it's fun. Um, as I said, it got a bit of PR behind it. And um, yeah, I thought that was, that was a really good uh, use of making sure we're like, tapping into a unique moment, especially when people are turning their phones off. And obviously everyone, well, people should be looking out for that. But um, yeah, I just thought that was great. And also we got we got a Quantro campaign um, with date nights at Pitch House currently. Um, seems to be going well. Um, so that must be quite interesting because obviously you've got Spotify who are a relatively new brand and then Quantro who are a classic brand. You yeah. Know, they've been around a while and uh, is it a bit harder to persuade them to do? Um, yes and no, I'd say. So it, I think obviously the Paris cinema is quite uh, well known. <laughs> Everyone knows what a cinema is. So you can kind of clearly say, well, we've got certain uh, cinema chains that lend themselves to... Um, something like Quantro and then same with Spotify we kind of I feel like they're quite easy to sell cinema to because obviously it's such a cinema is such a powerful medium that they know that it's un, uh, it's undervalued attention and because obviously the film slate in the last couple of years has been very strong um, yeah so it's, I think no I wouldn't say it's any harder between certain brands it says if you've got your foot in the door with the cinema um, and they're on board with cinema advertising. It's it kind of you know it's quite easy to say look this is an opportunity. Uh, you know cinema works, so take so, it. So you mentioned that the the film state's been quite strong. What are yeah. you looking forward to? Uh, so God, um, twenty eighteen, not long left. Um, 19, 2019. 2019. There's none of twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen is all gone. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> oh God, I've got some out of date stuff. Um, uh, Knives Out, I think. Very excited for that. Hell of a cast, hell of a director. Um, Had really exciting reviews as well for everywhere it's yeah. played. I, I also find, I love Daniel Craig, I think Daniel Craig's great as Bond, but I like Daniel Craig when he lets his hair down. Logan Lucky. Yeah. It's a lot just of fun. Ridiculous. And he does, you know, that southern accent. I'm like, okay, so when the trailer, uh, trailer came out and obviously you got um, Chris Evans doing his uh, uh, eat shit little bit, I thought it was great. And I think, I think that's exciting to see. Um, looking into 2020. Uh, two years Away. after 2018. <laughs> um, I'd say I'm excited for Jojo Rabbit. Um, I think Taika Waititi um, with emotion. As I said earlier, last time I saw you was at Glastonbury when you were in your homage to Taika Waititi in your co-ord, I believe. Yeah, I just will clarify that last time I saw Luke before this uh, recording this podcast, we bumped into each other. Yeah. Of the 180,000 people at Glastonbury, I bumped into Luke and I was wearing matching shirt and shorts because it was bloody hot yeah I mean it was hot but you know coordination is key here and I feel like yeah you, you kind of yeah I was like is that Tom Lanay in a, a palm tree shirt short combo and it was I think that was the same day Jeff Goldblum was on which yeah, it, which was one I of didn't my see him so I don't know if he was wearing the Whoa, same thing what, I didn't see you didn't see Jeff Goldblum no that was the what day was it I can't was remember Sunday Oh, do you know what? Jeff Goldblum was on while I was carrying all my stuff back to the car. Oh, that's really that's annoying. I was wearing my Jeff Goldblum T-shirt. I was, it was, it was incredible. I love Jeff Goldblum. I think he's incredible. He's turned into this. I, I don't know what he's turned into, but I love it. But Taika Waititi, you mentioned that my outfit was kind of Taika Waititi style. It was very Taika. He's Waititi. kind of had a good go at redirecting Jeff Goldblum's career with yeah. his performance in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm looking forward to more of that, but. 
He's what? not in Jojo Rabbit, I'm afraid. Dave. No, I sad, sad not. But Taika Waititi is. You, at, have you seen it? Yet? No, I haven't. Uh-huh. But our CEO, Karen, saw it at the London Film Festival oh, wow. and really loved it. And it's also worth highlighting it won the Audience Award at the Toronto Film Festival, which is a big, big indicator of kind of critical and commercial success. Uh, pre- last year, the winner was Green Book. The, pre- the year before, it was Three Billboards. The year before that, La La Land. So it just shows you They've that done well, if they? you win the Audience Award at Toronto, you've got a good shot at the Oscars. And also... The fact that Jojo Rabbit is a Fox film that's now under the umbrella of Disney. Apparently Disney are going to push it really hard to show that they can still win awards. And push those films that aren't part of the MCU and Star Wars. Yeah, it's out on New Year's Day. It is. So I think, yeah, that's quite exciting. I think then on the 10th of January, 1917. Yes. I'm a big I love Roger Deakins. I'm a big Roger Deakins fan. So I love Roger Deakins. Who does? I mean, if you know your film, then you generally like Roger Deakins. Yeah, don't you? and over the last couple of years, obviously, there's been the uh, travesty of the Academy, only recently given an award. But the fact that they're going to do it in, in a one take as well, I was just like, oh come on! Like, I feel like it's because he's going to De- win again, isn't he? Yeah, it's just Roger Deakins. He he, he kind of goes, give me a challenge. Come, on, I, I'm sure I can shoots beautifully and then they go alright what about a one take and you're like oh okay it's probably worth highlighting for people who don't know who Roger Deakins is he's a cinematographer he's a British cinematographer who is generally regarded as the one of the greatest cinematographers of the last 50 years and until he shot Blade Runner 2049 he'd been nominated for like 11 Oscars yeah, and never won and that includes shooting things like No Country for Old Men the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Even Skyfall looked beautiful. Yeah, Skyfall. And then he finally won for Blade Runner 2049. And this year he's shooting 1917 for Sam Mendes. And it's all made to look like it's one take. Yeah. Which obviously when you... The plot of it is um, it's all set in World War One, And going through the trenches. So I suspect that's going to be... There's going to be some decent trickery to make it look uh, one take. But no, that that's really exciting. Um, and then... I think what else have you got obviously No Time to Die um, Bond on the 3rd of April I'm excited for this one I am too I kind of last one for Daniel Craig yeah and when they lost um, Danny Boyle and I was like oh because I was quite excited to see a Danny Boyle Bond and then uh, they got uh, Carrie Joji Fukunaga and I was like okay well, that's an interesting choice and then what they've released so far I mean that poster's a bit drab if I'm honest but I'm, I'm quite pleasantly excited for that and then yeah, and then we got uh, Tenant as well. Tenant, Ten- Tenant, yeah. Which is kind of like we've got traditional Bond, and then we've got Christopher Nolan, yeah, exactly. maybe doing a Bond kind of film because it's an international espionage thriller we don't know that much about. Yeah, but he, they've always talked about him being a potential Bond director. But I think he's just gone. I'm not doing Bond. I'm going to go off and do something similar. Yeah. I think obviously after that, that that second half of Inception, where it's it's basically on the Magic Secret Service, effectively, I think everyone's kind of stamped his car to do Bond and he came out and said I'm not necessarily going to do that I kind of feel like um, yeah so that's exciting uh, and then at the end you've got Dune which Denny Villeneuve once again Blade Runner 2049 um, I mean yeah Dune the, the cast of that is incredible yeah Oscar uh, Isaac Timothy Chalamet Josh Brolin Zendaya it's it's huge and obviously uh, no sting in a cod beast which you know <laughs> Depends how you take it, but that's a shame. I hope people here have seen, listening, have seen that David Lynch is Dune. Yeah, otherwise that's, that's just, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's talking about Sting, the singer. Yeah. <laughs> not, some, a, not some sort of Google wasp. It. it goes up there in the top ten cod pieces yeah. of cinema. That and uh, 
Connery in um, Zardos. Zardos, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a cod piece. But also, I think, I haven't had to brief Luke at all on this, but you've picked out four films next year, blockbuster films, which I think are really exciting propositions. And up there with anything that we had in the cinema this year, in terms of something that I would actively go and pay to see. Yeah. 1917 looks like a thrilling First World War uh, action thriller from a brilliant director. Then you got Bond, which looks interesting because Fukunaga is, a, is an out there choice and an yeah. exciting choice. Tenet is a film from Christopher Nolan and as we've seen with all his films, he makes the pinnacle of blockbuster cinema. And then June at the end of the year, which, I mean, I watched Blade Runner 2049 and you already said how much you loved it. I've recently rewatched it because it's on Netflix and it's just an incredible piece of work. And I watched, and it didn't do that well in the US, which mm. I think was annoying. Like over here it did, you know, very well. It did about 20 million pounds in the UK. And I thought they're never going to give him money, big, no. b- big money to make a film of that kind again. And they've straight away given him money to make a big film of that kind I mean, again also and right. i'm like brilliant denny villeneuve is is incredible i think what he did with uh like arrival um i thought was incredible he he clearly loves sci-fi um but what he does with it is 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 not what you expect he makes it um about characters and plot but the spectacle is kind of always there um yeah i just i think yeah dune's something to get really excited for and once again it's it's kind of a left field sci-fi story. Obviously, a lot of people might have heard of Dune and uh, Frank I Herbert's sh- novel. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the fact that th- this cast obviously is, in- is-, is incredible, and I imagine it's going to be. And it's a story they've tried to get off. They've make- they tried to make it before with David Lynch in the early eighties, and then the- ever since then, it's been talked about. Oh, so we need to have another go at it, and it's it's taken. It will be almost forty years, yeah. and it's going to be worth waiting for. I really can't wait for it. I mean, I think Dune and Tenet are probably. I'm more excited about them than any films I was excited for for twenty in 2019. I yeah, think. I think obviously I'm. There's only that small trailer, small yeah. snippet for Tenet, and I kind of feel like Christopher Nolan films are going to be spectacular as it is. They always are. Uh, Denny Villeneuve films are always great. Um, Sam Mendes films, and so there's a lot of films next year that I feel will be obviously appeal to the masses because they'll have great story and uh, inevitably great action, but they'll also be real spectacles, really yeah. great to look at. Um, obviously, No Time to Die. I mean, I want to see a trailer. I haven't seen a trailer. It's, gonna, it's got to be coming soon, I it think. It must be. They've, they've yeah. wrapped the other day um, and there's been a couple of images. They must be putting it together. It must be really... Sh- it must come out soon. I can't. I don't think they'll wait till Star Wars to release it. That would be no. if they were. If you're thinking from a strategy point of view, that would be a good time to release it. But I think they won't wait till then. No, I feel like obviously it's just going to get washed into, washed away by the, the buzz around Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of films next year that, and obviously there's I haven't even gone into any of the big 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 films next year. But there's a couple of films as I say where I'm like, that is one I'm I'm definitely going to go see. Um, but yeah, there's a lot out. There's a lot out. Well, anyway, we could spend the next half hour talking about um, 2020 films, but it's already been 35 minutes. Shut up. Yes, it has. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? Oh, it does. Oh, it's like being in the cinema. Anyway, thanks for joining me, Luke. Thank it's you been a real Tom. pleasure. Uh, I'll be back next month. I promise I will be back next month. I've already got the guests lined up and everything, uh, so there, there will not be another hiatus. But thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to like and subscribe, uh, and I'll be back next month. Bye.